We're going to turn now to, to God's Word. As found in the book of Habakkuk, we are starting a new sermon series this morning. Um, this is a book that is a wonderful uh, prophecy. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a conversation between God and Habakkuk the prophet. And um, Habakkuk wasn't compelled or directed to preach to Israel or preach to the people. This was a conversation between him and God. And we'll, we will learn a lot by studying this book the next few weeks uh, before we move into Advent. So this morning we're going to look at the first chapter and then um, into a little bit of chapter 2. So I invite you to, uh, to turn to uh, the book of Habakkuk uh, in your Bibles, or it will also be uh, on the screen behind me. Habakkuk chapter 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. And then the Lord answers, Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture sweeping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. And then Habakkuk responds, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. 
Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there was a successful lawyer in Chicago, and he went through all kinds of trials and difficulties. Uh, One year, his four-year-old son died. Heart-wrenching. Like the worst thing that a parent can go through, right? To lose a young child. And then the next year, the great Chicago fire took his home and his property and his possessions just a year after he had lost his son. And the year after that, his wife and his four daughters, his remaining children, were traveling on a ship that went down and only his wife survived. So he was like this modern day Job who had lost almost everything that was precious to him. And yet, like Job, he he didn't lose his faith. He lamented, he cried out, he asked God why, he asked God, where were you? How could you let this happen? And in the midst of all that, in the midst of his grief and his pain and his loss, he wrote a hymn. When peace like a river. When peace like a river. This hymn that has provided so much comfort to us. He used what God was saying to his life to share comfort and peace with so many people, so that 150 years later, we sing this song in church. We sing it at funerals. We sing it at the graveside. We sing it in the most difficult times in our life. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say it is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford took the grief that came into his life, the tragedy that came into his life, and he let God turn it into something beautiful. He lamented, he cried out, he complained to God, and yet he trusted in God despite it all. And he saw God bring something amazing out of it. When there is When there is a death of any kind, a physical death, um, the death of a dream or a hope or a plan, when life just isn't going how you expect it to go, we really, we have three options. There's three things that we can do. We can sort of deny that it's going on or deny that it's happened. We can live our lives as if nothing has changed and kind of put our head down keep plowing ahead. Or we can complain and lament to other people. Um, That's probably a little bit better. 
Uh, you know, again, I think of Job and, and his friends, although they weren't empathetic listeners, they didn't really relieve a lot for him. Um, they were not helpful. But some people are helpful, but, but when we complain about our circumstances, we complain about the things we're going to to other people, there's only so much they can do, right? There's only so much that any of us can do for another human being. Most of the stuff that we would lament about or complain about are way, way bigger than another human being can handle. And so we have that third option, and that's to lament to God. That's to complain to God. That's to ask these questions that Habakkuk is asking. And to trust that the God who hears us in the good times is the God that hears us in the struggle and the doubt. That the God who hears our praises also hears our complaints and our laments. And to know that faith grows during storms. That it's in those times when we are lamenting, when we're crying out, when we're asking God why, that we're drawn near to him. And that he teaches us and forms us. Complaining to God is lament. And that is what Habakkuk is doing here. And it's, it's what we are called to do when we, when we are in pain. Because in, in lament, in this act of lament, we, are, we call out to a God who hears us and heals us. He hears our laments. And he heals us. Sometimes in the moment, sometimes right in the midst of it, and sometimes in the future and in the life to come. So this morning, I want to share with you these, uh, these three ideas. We're, you know, we're talking about lament. We're talking about crying out to God. We're talking about complaining to God and asking God why. Well, we're going to look at three questions. First, what is lament? What is it? Second, why do we lament? Why would we do that? How, you know, why is it helpful and, and why should we be doing that? Why should we make that part of our practice of following Jesus? And then third, how? Just very practically, how should we lament and how, how do we do that? It might be new for, for many of us. First, what is lament? Why do we lament? And how should we lament? First, what is lament? Well, it's, it's really simply, it's complaining to God. You know, it's asking these questions that Habakkuk asks. Where are you? Where are you, God? It doesn't seem like you're here. It doesn't seem like you care. It doesn't seem like you're involved with this. It's the where question. It's the why question. Why? Are you doing this? Why would you allow this? Why am I in this circumstance? And it's, it's the how question. How long, O oh Lord? That's Habakkuk's first complaint. How long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? And that question, how long, O oh Lord, that's found all over the Psalms. The psalmist is always asking, how long, O oh Lord? 
How long is this going to go on, this pain that I'm in, this difficult chapter that I'm in, this struggle? How long, O oh Lord? Habakkuk is saying in these, in these first four verses, you know, he's saying, I'm crying out to you for help. I'm crying out for you to help, and you're not listening. It doesn't feel like you're listening. It doesn't feel like you hear me, God. He says, I'm getting beat up. There's violence against me, and you're not saving me. I need help. And then he extends it beyond his own situation. There's all kinds of horrible things that are happening all around me. And you've said that you're a God of justice. Why aren't you stopping it? God, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you stopping this? Verse 4 is basically saying that, you know, the, the righteous people are stuck in the corner. They're painted into a corner. And these violent people, these wicked people, it seems like they run free. And they get to do whatever they want with no consequences. These are the cries of a person that is in pain. That is asking God why. They're the cries of lament. This, this is lament. And yet it's also the words of, of someone who trusts in God. You know, who trusts God, you're the one that's going to do it. Even if it takes a long time, even if it's in a way that I never would have expected, and here, using the Babylonians, using the enemies of Habakkuk to bring justice, God tends to answer our cries and answer our prayers in unexpected ways. But what is lament? It's calling out and complaining to God, but it's with the knowledge that He can do something about it. So there's a deep trust. And we see this in the passage. We see this at, in, in verse 1 of chapter 2 when Habakkuk says, I'm here. I'm listening for your response. I'm ready to watch you move. I know that you're the one that can do something about it. And we see that in the Psalms of lament also that they often end with this call of commitment. You, O oh Lord, are my rock. You are the one to whom I trust. And there's this journey. Thinking about this from, you know, the perspective of a, of a pastor or a spiritual leader, of, a, of one that's trying to shepherd a flock, I'm not worried about the person that's lamenting. I'm not concerned spiritually about the person that calls out to God or complains. You're engaging with God. You're showing that you trust in Him. You're complaining to Him and you're asking Him to move. That's a much better place to be in spiritually than apathy. That just sort of throws up its hands and says, whatever's going to happen, whatever is going to happen. The person that's resigned or disengaged or stops praying. We're his children. God longs to hear our prayer, even if they're angry prayers. Even if they're prayers of lament. Even if they're prayers of dissatisfaction. Even if it's why. How could you allow this to happen? God, where are you? 
We're still engaging with God. He's listening. He's, he's hearing us. He responds. Sometimes we get this idea, or maybe we grew up with this idea that, you know, good church people don't do this sort of thing. You know, you keep it inside. You don't complain. You carry on like a good soldier. Meanwhile, God knows all of our thoughts and all of our hopes and all of our dreams. God knows what's going on. You know that there's some people that they can't even be honest in their journal because they, they think that somebody might read it later. <laughs> we have to find places to be honest, whether you journal, whether you talk to God out loud, whether you pray to God in the silence of your own heart, but we have to find places to be honest with him. Like, like Habakkuk does. There's this trust. There's this understanding that I wonder what God's going to do. But I know, I know you've got me, God, but how? Why? What is lament? Lament is complaining to God with the knowledge that he can do something. You're complaining to him, but you know that he's the one that turns everything around, that he's the one that can redeem even the most difficult circumstance, whatever we're going through. He's the one that does it. So second, why? Why do we lament? Why do we lament? Well, Habakkuk lamented because the world was broken. And it's the same for us. We lament because things are not as they're supposed to be. There are so many things. We look all around us all the time and we, and we recognize and we know and it's placed in our hearts when God made us that marriages should last a lifetime. That children are supposed to outlive their parents. That, we, that God created us to find meaningful work and to find joy in that. That bones weren't meant to be broken. That we weren't meant to be addicted to all this stuff that harms us and hurts us. We have inside of us this idea, this knowledge, on a heart level, that there will be no more tears or crying or mourning or pain in the new Jerusalem. And that there will be no need to lament because things will finally be as they're supposed to be. We, we lament because things are not right and who else could we complain to? This is deep pain. And yet we need, we need God to move. So often we, we lament to the wrong people, <laughs> to the wrong places, or we take all of our anger and our grief and our loss, all the tough things that have happened to us, and we bottle it up, and we try to deal with it on our own, and then um, like a shaken can of soda pop, it just explodes, 
And it damages our relationships. It hurts the people that are around us. And it might have nothing to do with them at all. But we haven't lamented to God. We haven't let Him deal with us. Heal us. But in the Christian view of things, as people of the cross, we have a God who hears and heals. So we know we can bring our laments to Him. We have... We have in Jesus the one who's overcome the worst of what humanity can throw at someone. Betrayal and greed and abandonment and extreme violence and crucifixion. And Jesus took all of those things and he overcame them. He took the worst of what humanity sent to him. And he redeemed it. He brought something good out of it. And so he can do that for me. He can do that for you. He can give you back the years that you think were wasted. He can bring new people into your life that remind you of these promises. He can redeem it. We lament, we lament to find someone that hears us, to find a listening ear, to find someone that can move and do something about it. That's why we lament. So finally, how? How should we lament? Well, before we, before we take out our pen or set aside this time to spend with God or take out a paintbrush or... Um, sit down to write a song of lament. We should look into our own hearts and look at the world around us and remember who's in charge. You know, know that God takes delight in even our laments, even our complaining, that God loves to hear from us and that we're in dialogue with him, that he can handle it. that he just wants to hear from his children. And then we look, we look to God's word. We look to people like Habakkuk, who cried out to God, who brought his whole self. He didn't try to clean up the mess ahead of time. He didn't try to fix his own life or make himself appear to be something that he wasn't. But he cried out to God and he asked for help in specific ways. And he responded in trust and in praise. He says at the close of this lament, God is everlasting. God, you are my rock. You created all this around me. I know that you are the one who's going to move. When we complain to God, when we lament our circumstances, when we ask him why, we are in good company. We are in the company of Jesus, who on the cross cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? 
Why? Why is this happening? My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And yet, Jesus on the cross, he was doing something about that. He was offering himself up for you and me. He was taking all the evil in this world, all the injustice, everything that's wrong with this world, all the sins that we've committed, all the sins that those around us have committed, all the evil and injustice, and he was taking it upon himself. And it was put to death. It was paid for. And so, when we are lamenting, when we are asking, God, where are you? It doesn't seem like you're in this situation. Why is this happening? How long, O Lord? When we ask all of those questions, Jesus answers us on the cross. He says, I'm right here. I'm right here. And I've opened the door for you to come and be with me and to have hope. Hope that can get us through anything. Hope that can get us through any trial, anything that's going on. The hope of Jesus on the cross to a place in which there is no more violence, no more injustice, no more sin or guilt or shame. Jesus has taken care of all that, and he says on the cross, I am here for you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always going to be with you. And then one day, when I make all things new, you're going to see me face to face. And all of those questions will be answered. When we see Jesus on the cross, we see an answer to the laments of Habakkuk. We see an answer to all of our complaints. So the invitation today is to deepen our trust, to renew our faith in him, to know that whatever we're going through, we can bring it to Jesus, that he hears our prayer, that he loves to hear from us, and that faith grows during these storms. Would you please pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you always hear our prayers because of Jesus. That we can call out to you. We can cry to you in our grief, in our mourning, in the things that we don't understand. And you hear us. Lord, deepen our, deepen our trust in you. Correct our thinking when when we want to believe that if we're just good enough, bad things won't happen. The truth is that we all go through difficult chapters and that much of life is grief and pain. And yet you're with us through it all. You are well acquainted with sorrow. 
Lord, as we pray, as we lament, may we find you right there. May we claim the promise that you never leave us or forsake us, that you love to hear from your children, and that we have great hope in you. We ask these things all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.